NBA playoffs are in full swing. Stanley Cup playoffs also in full swing. We're going off the board this week, though. We're going to probably have some football talk. We're going to get some MLS talk. We might even get some wrestling talk. Don't, don't delete this episode. Please listen. Special guest in studio. This is the Courts and Fields podcast. I am Tim Kelly. Let's get rolling. Roll Tide, baby. Wait, no, that is Mike Price when he went to Alabama. It's rolling. Okay, this is getting an inappropriate intro. Let's just go to the start of the pod. Here we are. It is Memorial Day weekend. I am joined in studio, these palatious studios with all the high-tech equipment, with... Uh, Soccer aficionado, excuse me, football, football and football aficionado, uh, former, uh, what would you say, Cairo 97.3 employee, even dabbling in the Seahawks radio network, Kevin Mendelson. Kevin, how are you today? You know, I'm doing good. This was a, it's a little more palatial than the, than the Hotel Bonneville. Uh, it doesn't have the, the vending machines to maybe sometimes not pay no i paid for everything there but uh yeah so it's it's a lovely day appreciate you having me thanks kevin now, so kevin and i know each other we're both working at uh, different sides of the house at bonneville there on uh what was it 19 1820 east lake sounds about i think right. so yeah. i mean i i've you know i i put that on my resume so i always uh, have to know the address yeah. but uh we would work we were weekend warriors uh while also having other jobs mm-hmm. uh, at, at different points. But uh, we, uh, the, the Hotel Bonneville, uh, Kevin tipped me off to this. Uh, there, there was a shower on the, on the basement of this building. Yeah, there was a shower down there and, and lockers. So I guess when, when Dory Monson got a little, too, uh, a little too wound up during his days, he could go and, and shower off from all of, the, <laughs> all of the tears or something. Or probably Ron and Don would use it. Not, not together. All right, all right, well... I, I, don't, uh, I don't imagine. R- r- yeah, Ron and Don, they don't uh, strike Don me Don would as... probably shower. Don would shower, yeah. Ron would, uh, well, uh, the form, <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Ron and Don. Interesting guys. Uh, yeah. Never never got the pleasure of working on their show. Their show, man, they were intense. I, I had the um, the pleasure of working on it a couple times, and, like, they they were super intense, like, when their breaks had to happen, and... You know, you had to tell them at least two segments in advance for when they had their their live ad reads, and yeah, just Ron seemed a little a little more low key. I guess the times that I worked with them, yes. Um, I think one of my first times I worked with them, they did a uh, interview in studio with Ryan Leaf. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this was like I think when he was, I think when he was starting his rehab tour or his uh, his character rehab tour after. Uh, yeah, because he got he he got caught. And like he was, he was doing the character rehab because I remember I used to big Jim Rome fan back in the day, and I remember mm-hmm. he went on Jim Rome show, and then probably within six months or a year he got popped again for yeah. pills. But he's actually doing it now. Pills? My or well, no, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think he's he seems to be on the straight and narrow okay. at least for like four or five years. He's got a kid now. Yeah. Uh, he shares and he does. He hosts, I think, like Pac-12 radio on Sirius XM. Nice, I believe. So yeah, I think. I think he's doing good. Now, the, the Hotel Bonneville, you mentioned the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And you, like you said, you tipped me off. There were like, what were they? Just conference rooms downstairs, or just? Yeah, there was there was one big conference room that no one ever used, so it was always empty on the weekends. And uh, so well, just chairs slammed on one side of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, and they had these big dividing walls that you could like roll out and uh, divide off the room. So if they, you know, doing like an investor meeting or or who knows what with the with the sales staff probably, um, and it so. You know, no one was in there on weekends. They they keep everything all cleared out. It was dark. It was it was quiet. Like you couldn't hear. I mean, you could kind of hear the speakers from the outside of the door because, mm-hmm. like the anywhere in the building you'd go, there would be speakers playing. Uh, usually the the FM side, so the the Cairo FM news side, because you know no one wants to listen to sports apparently all day, and so it would be all nice and quiet in there. Bring an air mattress. Um, I'd come in at you know, two o'clock for the, or come in for the two o'clock Saturday shift and then sleep and then go back in for the 6 a.m. Sunday shift. So it was, you know, 16 hours of radio and less than 24 hours. And luckily most of Sunday was all, was all automated stuff. So, you know, you get the Mormon, Mormon Tabernacle Choir at like 7 a.m., go down, take a shower, you know, it's going to run just fine and come back out. Hope to God nothing's, uh, nothing's messing up and just go, okay, well, I was down there getting a snack. No one knows the difference. Now a little too too inside baseball, but uh, why why would they need if it's all automated automated? Why would they need a board op on uh, on Sunday mornings? Well, you got to make sure that uh, all your shows are run right. Yeah. Uh, you got to make sure the segments are are in the right place. Okay, uh, and that people that you know one of one of your favorite uh, shows and hosts uh, he was too beautiful. One might say to live. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Luke Burbank, his show would run on Sundays, and there were times, uh, there were a couple times that they may have not edited their own their own content before sending it in, so I had to be there with the dump button ready to go, and I would get a couple of calls from the uh, program director, like, hey, uh, did you catch that? Did you get rid of that 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 those words? Because he would listen on the internet stream. Where nothing is regulated. Ah, yes. So you would hear everything unfiltered, and it was, oh, yeah, I caught that, <laughs> but it 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 got dumped, so don't worry. Um. Wow. So there, there's a lot to. I, I mean, I, I think I think we're just gonna be talking a little re- reminiscing down radio before yeah. we dump into sports. That it yeah. though it does brought it does move into sports uh, as well because we both worked on mm-hmm. various sporting events. So yes, he mentioned Luke Burbank. Uh, you guys were best friends, I guess. Well, never met the guy. But on his show, he mentioned how... Uh, there, so there was a subway uh, about, what, three blocks oh, from yeah. the studio? Yeah, one or two blocks up the way. So, of course, when you're making, what, 10 bucks an hour... What is what? I mean, what were we making about... Yeah, 10, 2010, 2011. 2010, yeah, 10 bucks an hour doing the board. And both, like I said, Kevin and I... Were uh, this wasn't our full time gigs. We were mm-hmm. trying to we were trying to break in. Uh, I was, I think you you were working a full time job the whole time. I had gotten laid off and was trying to make it into radio, and then eventually mm-hmm. got another job that again didn't really uh, pan out. That job didn't pan out anyway. So, anyways, enough about my resume here. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, you, you have to fill it out on paper. Yeah, paper. They're not gonna they're not gonna get a piece of together from from the audio. Yes, and and at this point, I think most of these listeners already know my career path. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, Mr. Burbank, uh, uh, no. So I went I went and uh, would get a sub, and then so there was a little. Here here's the thing about radio. 
that, uh, you know, the, the studios that the live shows for uh, a 710 or a, uh, or a um, 97.3, the, the fairly big studios. There's yeah. the glass. I mean, it's, you know, it's living room sized, you know, like, like stuff. Mm. But they had little almost edit bays that were, I mean, no joke, like a closet. It was a computer, yeah. a board, a chair, like, a chair. But you couldn't like lean back in the chair. Not that the chairs were leaning back, right. but like it was. I mean, it was tough to. Uh, you would be lucky to get three people in that room. Oh yeah, you could get two people in, but it'd be like. So anyway, I worked on uh, Seahawks broadcast. Also, I was trying to do my own thing here and there. You know, there was. I was trying to get a podcast with somebody. It's a couple guys, a guy that worked there. Mm-hmm. And then another thing I would do is like, you know, kind of make like little little demo tapes of like trying to be like, hey, put me on air for sports updates. Yeah. They don't do sports oh, updates. Yeah. So I was in there and I guess I was eating a sub, <laughs> which I don't think I ever ate a sub in there. But Luke Burbank on his podcast show made mention of how he wanted to use the studio, but he saw... Well, he described me. I don't. I don't exactly know how he described me, but he saw me eating a Subway sub in there, and he didn't want to uh, passive aggressively because right. it's Seattle. It's Seattle, and he's he's still like complaining on his show about me. And let me say, I will say, I don't think I was eating the sub. I used to argue <laughs> with Kyle Brown, who is who was a board op at the time. He's now like program director of the Seven Ten ESPN Seattle. I mean, oh. he's, he's he's a higher up. He, he said, it was obviously you. And I was like, yes, he's describing me, but I don't think he's... Did he mention the guy in the John Cena t- or No, John no, Cena not the John Cena sweatshirt. Okay. No, no. They could have been anybody. That was the nice part about working weekends, though, too. As you said, nobody was there. Yeah. So you could just kind of wear whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I used to get in trouble during Seahawks broadcast. Now, Kevin, you ran it on the FM side. Yeah. I was cutting highlights as the game would go. And, you know, just put them in the audio vault system. What was it, was it called? Audio vault? I, I think so, yeah. Something like that. And, and throw it in the system. Anyway, I was in this little studio that I was uh, apparently not supposed to be in because it was too beautiful to live. <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, the, the guys, Dory Monson, Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, they would be in, when you walked into the front of the building, anybody could walk into this part of the building. There was like a, like a TV or two. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. It was like the lobby area. The lobby area that they would watch road games on. Yeah. Home games, they would go to the stadium. Road games, they would be at the studio for all their pregame stuff. Mm-hmm. So something would happen. I'm listening to the feed, and I had the door open because, like I said, it's a freaking closet. Right. And I'd be like, yes! You know, and, it, and this is the 2010-2011 Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So they weren't good. They weren't bad, and there were a lot of wacky... Weird games. Well, they they didn't really exist before then, so I don't know. Wow. Okay. Now, now to. we'll get into this, Kevin. Not a Seahawks <laughs> fan. Not a Seahawks hater. But we'll get more. But yes, to your point, uh, they didn't really exist. The previous two years, oh eight, oh nine, they won nine games combined. Carroll shows up, and they'd have some games right where they play well, mm-hmm. and then they get smashed by some other team. But they'd upset some other. It, it was a weird. Or they'd lose 6-3 to three in Cleveland. Yeah, 6-3 to three in Cleveland. I remember that game because everyone wanted Charlie Whitehurst to start. And then he finally starts, and they lose 6-3 in Cleveland. And this wasn't even, like, a good Cleveland team. This wasn't a maybe-could-make-a-playoff-run team. This was 
laughing stock of the league. Brady Quinn, Charlie Fry. Yeah. Who, I, I couldn't even tell you who started that game. I remember I, that yeah. game. Yeah. I, re, I remember, I remember how game. bad it was. It might, have been the, the it might have been the Holmgren era. I mean, that could have been Seneca Wallace starting that game. In Cleveland or for Seattle? In Cleveland. For oh, Cleveland, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah probably. Seneca was gone at that point. Yeah. yeah. It might have, but Oh, yeah, because that's when uh, T-Jack and, and then Charlie. Yeah. And, yeah, but then they'd play like... They play. Um, who they? They played like the Giants. Like the was it? The, no, not to be. Kevin is a Patriots fan. Not to bring up bad things, but either twenty ten or twenty eleven, mm-hmm. they played the Giants and beat the Giants. Right in New York. Like I don't know how because it wasn't <laughs> a good team and yeah. they had a lot of picks. Then even this, and then a few years later, same thing happened. So yes. So my point being is, I never agreed with Luke Burbank's story. <laughs> I, I and I'm not really being defensive. I mean, I am being a little defensive, but Kyle Brown's favorite story was I walked in one time with a gallon of milk and I had some dicks <laughs> and he thought it was the funniest thing. So they put new carpet in and unbeknownst to me, Matt Pittman put me on speakerphone. Matt Pittman, who was Sonic's PA announcer, fill in Mariners PA announcer, Mariners pre and post game show host, actually lives in. The Hotel Bonneville? No, not lives in oh, the Hotel okay. Bonneville. Uh, lives down in San Francisco now, works for the Warriors. He's a Warriors PA announcer. Wow. Yeah, so moving. Uh, he used to a longtime Storm PA announcer, too. Mm. Anyways, Pittman calls me on speakerphone, and they're like, hey. And I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey, did you eat food here? And I was like, well, I came in with some dicks and uh, also. Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers, yeah. yes. Sorry. Oh, thank God. you. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and then uh, he was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, sorry. He's like, what are you sorry about? I'm like, well, I'm sorry you're not getting the information that you're looking for. Yeah. And then I talked to Kyle Brown afterwards, and he was like saying, everybody was around. They were in the sports pit yeah. listening. And I guess Mike Salk, uh, former radio host, he's like running the station now. thought it was the funniest thing because Kyle told them that I came walking in with a gallon of milk and just <laughs> to throw it in the nasty refrigerators that uh, – those were some nasty yeah. refrigerators. I think I think any office building has disgusting refrigerators because people are just gross and they're like, all right, let me put this uh, put this sandwich in here and then see if it becomes a science experiment that turns into an actual like creature that I can raise. No, you're not wrong, but radio <laughs> is a different kind of disgusting person. Yeah, like because uh, you're right. I work and you, we both have uh, turned to the dark side and work for state employment mm-hmm. employment now. I work in a building that. Pre-pandemic had about 600 people in it. Mm. So there was two floors with different break rooms. Uh, so there was four refrigerators per floor. Mm. Did people leave stuff in them? Yes. Okay. Occasionally, did they smell? Yes. That Bonneville <laughs> thing that had maybe 50 people, 60 mm. people using it at most. Yeah. Way more grody than oh yeah this it was it was disgusting yeah and and we'd get the emails what like once a once a month or something like hey this needs to be cleaned out and no one would want to do it so they'd probably so they'd look to the board ops be like uh, yes hey you guys have nothing else to do with your life oh you're 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 monitoring KTTH yeah go clean something because that thing is one hundred percent automated you're just there to push a button make sure it doesn't like explode go go clean out the refrigerator. And then you'd get emails back from people like claiming that their stuff was tossed out and, oh, yeah. or stolen. And it's like, this thing's nasty. Like, at some point, it's all person for yourself. Mm-hmm. Every person for themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've, I've kind of carried that over at my work. I would, if the fridge would get too nasty, I would go and toss things, anything mm-hmm. with expiration dates. Or anything that I noticed. Because I, re- I use the refrigerator frequently. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about the Hotel Bonneville. I used it a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked up the trick. That, again, usually, to your point, you work a late shift, and then you got an early morning shift, mm-hmm. and you just don't want to... It doesn't make sense to drive. Because even if you lived in... I mean, I was living in Everett part of the time. I was staying in Auburn part of the time. I was living in Tacoma part of the time. Even just driving home mm-hmm. to any of those places would be an extra hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. So you might as well, if you got to be back in less than eight hours, Yeah. might as well just crash uh, on the uh, on the floor. Now, the food part you were talking about. Yeah. So they added this thing. What was it? Avanti Markets? Yep, Avanti Markets. They actually have that uh, at my building in which I haven't been in in over a year. But, you know, yeah. uh, same idea. Maybe someday. Yeah. So what what exactly is an Avanti Market? Because I, I didn't know about it till I started working. So this is like, it's like a, a little mini convenience store kind of setup here. You've got your racks of like your, your snacks, your chips, your your chocolate, your, your stuff. And then they've got these three or four, depending on the size of the place, little coolers and freezers. So you get your, your frozen burritos, your microwavable stuff, your sandwiches, uh, sodas in there. It is a pretty cool little setup. And uh, uh, there there may have been times that some people learned how to maybe beat the system because they weren't really monitoring it. We never knew like how close they were monitoring it. Mm-hmm. So there may have been a, a few people that may have scanned one item and it was a uh, essentially a, a weekend sale sort of deal. You know, it's, uh, it's a BOGO sale. So, hey, <laughs> you know, you get your, you buy a sandwich, you get your, your, your soda for half price or included as a uh, value meal for the, the Avante value meal. Uh, now I, I'm not condoning anyone ever doing that. I'm not saying I ever did it. I'm just saying it was a thing that may have happened, uh, from other people. There was an, uh, there was an honor system. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, also there was, I think there was a camera in the corner. There was one in, in like the corner when you would walk in, supposedly there was one that like shot straight down. So like if, so it it could, it could watch, you know, if you were scanning things, if you were sliding your card if it was doing all things but no one ever said anything to anybody yeah i never heard anything and also uh you and i would i know we would both use it a lot because there was like red bull i get red bull there mm-hmm. uh, like you said there was coke uh, lots of can't like oftentimes better than convenience stores right uh like like you said there, there was uh yeah just just delicious things um but yeah uh never never uh took advantage of it Mm-mm. Uh, which is, which is the irony of that being is, as we mentioned, we were making 10 bucks an hour. Yeah, we, we were poor and we were still, <laughs> we were still trying to, trying to do the right thing and set a good example and, you know. Poor part-timers spending, what, 10 to 20 bucks a weekend buying stuff from there. Yeah, because, I mean, and really it could have just been, well, you know, let me, let me stop at the subway one or two blocks away before I... Before I come in on my shift and buy a five dollar footlong, because that's when it was still five bucks. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and everyone would uh, would honor that. Now it's you know six dollars or nothing at all because some places are just like, no, we we don't do not, that. Not not doing this. I would at the Avanti markets get because uh, they had the uh, the, the uh, mac and cheese cups, the craft yeah, ones, oh, yeah. and then I get like a diet coke or a diet Pepsi, mm-hmm. and then some kind of candy bar, mm-hmm. and then I'd probably end up getting a Red Bull if it was you know. So at some point it's. Eight it to adds ten bucks. Up, yeah. yeah. 
And, yeah, because they jack the prices up, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to please the dealers. Please the dealers. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I noticed there is one at the building across the street from my, the office that I work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the building across the street have not been in since they had an Avanti market. So I was like, oh, you know, reminiscing, remembering right. and stuff. But, yes, um, yeah, very, uh, it, 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 it was just, it, it was an interesting place working mm-hmm. in, uh, in radio, the Hotel Bonneville, uh, I stopped working there June of, uh, I think June of 2012. I think it was 2012. Yeah, 2012, yeah, because I, I, I moved to the Tri-Cities. I came back because Liz Matthews, who was the Seahawks reporter, she now works for Seahawks Wire, a USA Today affiliate, mm. um, like the editor of their site. She was the Seahawks reporter. She's like, hey, I can't go to the... Uh, can't go to the Seahawks practice. Can you go? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I went, and it was a practice. Beast Mode had gotten a DUI, and he was coming back. Mm-hmm. And Matt Flynn, like this is, think I like. Now we're really dating. Ourselves but I really dating ourselves. Matt Flynn was there, and I really liked Matt Flynn. He was answering questions. You know, every, we were all asking questions, and mm-hmm. he was like very nice. It was funny. I went to the press room. Uh, I just started working at my Tri Cities job. My boss at that job, Grant Lennon, great friend, go to Vegas with him. Uh, he. Canadian loves hockey. Mm. Used to be on the broadcast for the Tri Cities Americans. The Americans play against the Thunderbirds, the Silver Tips, Spokane Chiefs, Portland Winterhawks. They're all on the American side of things. I think that's the only American teams. Former, yeah, that sounds right. Former Tacoma Rockets, rest in peace. I hate Kelowna because of it. <laughs> um, a tangent. An extra. Are they are they rivals of the Bret Hart Calgary Hitmen? Uh, I think everybody's the Hitmen, which. Beautiful jerseys. Yeah. Bret Hart. I, I keep looking on eBay every every once in a while I'll go I'll go on eBay and look at the Calgary Hitman jersey. And oh, those things nice. are way too expensive for my life. And they I just, are. I can't I can't justify it sometimes. And, and the Reebok too. It's like come on, yeah. come on, come on. Yeah. But but yes, you're hundred percent right. <laughs> uh um and so I was there at the Seahawks practice and I'm sitting there and Ian Furness, who works for uh he was KJR. He's at KJR, also Q thirteen. Hmm. Grant and him were buddies. They were because Ian was in Tri Cities doing uh, Americans game when he was starting off his career. So he'd do play by play, and Grant I think would do color commentary if I remember correctly. And Grant worked at radio, worked for Clear Channel Radio at the time. Long story short, I don't know Furness. Mm-hmm. Never met him in my life. I've met I've known Grant for a month at this point. You know, almost a decade later, and he goes. Uh, he takes a shot at, uh, Furness takes a shot at Mike Salk. I'm working at 710. Mm. And he was taking some shots there, and we're on some people in the break room. And then uh, I introduced myself like five, ten minutes later. I was like, hey, uh, I'm Tim Kelly. I work for 710. And he just went, Boom. and I was like, well, I just moved to Tri Cities. I'm filling in. I know Grant Lennon. Just no wanting to have that conversation because mm-hmm. he was embarrassed because <laughs> he was just, you know, yeah. talking about. And I'm like, Whatever, Salk's a morning yeah. drive time host. He's a polarizing figure. He's, a, he's a East Coast guy. East Coast, yeah, yeah, yeah. From 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 Boston, but uh, East Coast guy. One one of the uh, East Coast guys that uh, moved out here and actually liked him. Went back to Boston and a year later came back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. So the uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was radio. I think yeah, we didn't really know each other. Just we got to know each other on the. Seahawks broadcast in 2010, kind of, but probably was 2011. Mm. Got to know each other because we were there. We're the only two people on the weekends, right. it seemed, or at, at our shifts during the weekends. Yeah. You'd be there for the uh, thrilling outdoor line. 
Yes. Uh, 6 a.m. Saturday mornings. Yes. And I'd, I'd be there with the uh, morning news. Good morning. We had, a, we had a morning news show that went from 6 to 10 Saturdays. And then I think the first couple or the first few months I was there, they, there was a Sunday version. Uh, but it was all it was all just filler reading, uh, really leading into uh, the powerhouse of the weekend, uh, the Cisco Morris gardening show. Ooh la la! That guy was an animal. Uh, yeah, the, the friggin' happiest guy you'll ever meet. Never had a negative thing to say about anybody or anything. It could be raining or snowing or it could be the apocalypse, and he'd just come in, smile on his face, just ready to go and. You know, just the happiest dude you'll ever meet. It was it was fun working with him. That that was the that was the cool thing. We we had early shifts. Now, <clears throat> the outdoor line. I don't know anything. Still don't about hunting or fishing. Oh, yeah, me neither. Uh, but I got uh, Robbie Tobeck, former Seahawks, uh, um, uh, center, was on the show. Rob Insley, who's like one of the preeminent fishing guides in the Northwest, and then Tom Nelson. Uh, Huge fisherman. I, I believe he was... I think he still works for... I worked for Fish and Life, still works for Fish and Life. So it was kind of cool to get to know those guys. And then Tom's son, who was in high school at the time, would uh, help them with the board op. And he's still there. I mean, I know he was going to UW for a while. He might... I think he might be out of college. I, you know, I haven't talked to Matt. I would hope years. so. I mean, it's been 10 years That's since true. either of us worked yeah. there. Unless he's getting his doctorate, which, hey, good for him. Yeah, it could be. It could you be. Know. Master's doctorate. He was... It was funny because uh, a show that I got to know... Uh, a couple years afterwards, uh, show you're a fan of. Uh, Matt would be in this. There was this back studio. It's no longer there. Mm-hmm. There was kind of two studios adjacent to each other, and in it, he would. There was a TV, and he would be cutting the audio for the outdoor line. Because Matt, he seemed to like fishing. Obviously, it was around his whole life, mm-hmm. but he was also a teenager, and so it was like you know, like. Ugh. But yeah. he always watch uh, Doctor Who. Oh, nice. On BBC America. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. what Doctor Who was at the time. Uh, yeah, 10 years ago, I had no clue what it was. And so I was like, oh. So then I got it. I was like, oh, this is a show Matt always watched. No, but 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 funny things. But then that led into uh, Sounders FC Weekly. Mm-hmm. They moved that to Saturday mornings as well. And uh, that was kind of cool getting to know uh, the broadcast crew. Uh, Arlo White, who's... On shows like Ted Lasso and has become mm-hmm. Ted Lasso. Yeah. Lasso. What am I doing here? That's uh, Lasso. Lasso. Yeah. Uh, and he's like the, like the number one soccer guy for for NBC Sports. Yes, like, like their their national international star. Yes, got to you know got to know him and then mm-hmm. uh, our our personal favorite Matt Johnson. Matt Johnson. Yeah, uh, sung to the tune of the Sounders. Yeah, uh, thing. Matt Johnson is. Uh, a radio, uh, I mean, I call him a legend, a, 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 a background legend, really. Uh, worked at KJR as a producer for a while and then was the Seahawks radio network and Sounders network and then was doing pre and post game and then was play by play. Yeah. Up until, was it last year, I think? Yeah, last year, heading into this mm-hmm. season. I don't know why that ended, but hopefully, uh, yeah, Ho- hopefully, uh, but big soccer fan. I mean, he's, I would say, of, Media in Seattle. I mean, he is the. Uh, I keep using preeminent, so I need right. to think of another another. No, word. no, but, it's, a, it's but, a good word. It's a good word, but and then all leading into John Clayton's radio show. So you got yeah. to work with the. I got to work with the sports. I mean, like sport the sports, and then like the uh, I don't know what home and gardening, like Cisco. I mean, the, these are yeah. Cisco and John Clayton, both legends in the mm-hmm. Northwest area. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then you. 
you shortly, uh, when did you end up, because you moved, you moved out of the area. Yeah. And then, uh, but we're still coming in for shifts. Yeah, that was one of those things that it's like, I can keep doing this and I'm going to do this as long as I can and, and see if I can make any money or headway or something out of this. And I would do something similar to what, what you talked about before, like on the weekends, if I was there for the morning shift on Saturdays, that gave me the rest of Saturday to just find ways to kill time. So one of those little one of those little recording suites, you know, we had, with that morning news show, we would, uh, I think we contracted out to a guy in L.A. that that would do our morning sports updates, and so we would dial him in on a on a on a line, and and he would do his thing and whatever. And I'm like, why don't we just make this local? Like, I'll do it. Like, I want to do this. This is kind of the thing I want to do. So I would go in and, and uh, record my own versions of, of those sports updates and try and, like, you know, like you said, build a little demo reel, get something mm-hmm. and, you know, give it to the bosses and go, here, let's stop, let's save money and not contract to this guy in L.A. that has no no ties here. And, you know, you get the, you go and you have the interview or the meeting with the boss and program director at the time was like yeah i just don't think you're ready for prime time and it was oh it's like those are that just kind of guts you but it's like i feel like i sound better than this guy that that were absolutely being paid um so i you know just keep at it keep at it and uh eventually i was i was doing a similar thing for for the sounders where during the games cut you know cut highlights uh and I know some some people are going to listen to that. Ah, yeah. Well, what kind of highlights are there yeah. in soccer? Believe it or not, a nothing nothing soccer game or a one nothing soccer game can be a hell of a lot more exciting than a one nothing baseball game. And this is coming from someone that has loved baseball his whole life, uh, grew up basically in in baseball because I had family that worked for worked for the Kansas City Royals, and then I worked like seven seasons as an usher uh, at the stadium. So it's like I. I I love baseball, but soccer, you know, similar type of thing. It, oh, it's so boring. How can you watch that? Because you don't, you don't just watch it for the sake of it. You know, you watch and learn as, about it as you watch it. So, you know, you'd be cutting highlights. Matt Johnson would be doing the, the pre- and post-game show and, um, you know, build a, build a rapport with people and try, and try and get your foot in the door any way that you can. So I tried to use that to build up a... a not really a not a following because there was no no one knew who the hell I was, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just build up my experience so I could go across the mountains. I live in Yakima now and try and get in on one of the stations there. And that was, I I tried that a couple of times and kept getting rejected. So I was like, fine, I'm gonna find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting point that you made about uh, the comment. Uh, you're not ready for prime time that era where we were there they uh they didn't seem to really want to put people that were working there because because my understanding now i guess to your point the negative person listening to this is maybe you guys weren't good okay maybe yeah but then again i heard people that they put on air on some of those things and you're like it wasn't it wasn't that yeah uh per se there was there was a standard they would they would bring in these people like the guy you're talking about I believe had worked for ESPN National at one point as a program director right was it uh, oh yeah it was Smokey yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy uh, Giffords uh, and, and you know not ready for prime time and and that's where 
the 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 uh the funny story uh another this i hope this isn't turning out to just sound like bitter uh bitter people right now yeah, this, this is like the cm punk podcast <laughs> where we just vent all of our anger to vent all our anger. this is this is we will get to sports at some point right. we'll, we'll take a break at some point and then we'll talk sports yeah. uh but uh uh a little, a little off the board this week yeah. uh but uh I know that uh, I was hired by a guy, uh, Owen, who uh, worked for, I think he was like Dan Patrick's producer when he was at uh, ESPN Radio mm-hmm. National Show. And then he like hired me. And then they let me do, like I got to do a, uh, updates, not many times, but a few times. Like mm-hmm. Pitt, They gave Pittman a show on the weekend one time and I like got to do it. I don't know, I don't know if that was a trial one for Pittman and they let me do it. And you know, I had, like I said, cutting the demos, putting the sports center bed under this. And, mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then he left, and then there was a guy, uh, Brian, who uh, was there for a little bit, and he hated the Northwest. He was a California guy, <laughs> and my understanding was he just didn't like the Northwest, but he bounced as quickly as he could. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, uh, uh, and then Salk came back and mm-hmm. was in that role, and I think Kyle now. But I think I think Salk. The credit to Salk and Kyle. They're in the market. They want to be in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they seem to be giving a lot of people chances on their, on the radio. I mean, like right now their, their noon show is, uh, I mean, this woman, Stacy, who was a writer and she's gotten to be, you know, she's a host now, you know, it seems like they're, they're kind of doing that more with, with people. I mean, she, she was, you know, one example, Jake heaps, her, her and Stacy, him and Stacy host, a show and heaps was you know not really heaps was a terrible quarterback for the kansas jayhawks and i will never forgive him for that i'm just gonna just gonna throw that out there him and dane christ uh both of them dead to me <laughs> that was the chaz chaz weiss era uh yeah kansas jayhawks but uh you know like these were people without much experience and they're in their their noon show which for sports radio is kind of you know the the uh, the shift that you put people in to give them reps and yeah. and and move them and, and stuff so it's it's cool to see that but it was also you know kind of frustrating for uh, people who had worked in communications worked in right. I mean you you uh, I mean went to college for for radio stuff I, um, I did yeah I got my uh, I guess if it's a degree or whatever you want to call it from or for for radio broadcasting and I tried going to tried going to uh, uh, Big Kid College for the, one of the four-year schools, dropped out of that because uh, tried doing it for English, like for writing purposes. I, I initially went in as a communication major mm-hmm. and for some reason that I'll never understand, changed that after mm-hmm. my first semester. I was like, no, I think I'll, I think I'll do this because I want to write. And this is, you know, 2001 to really date myself here. Um, when, when print journalism was still a thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll be a writer. This is going to be great. And that just didn't pan out, and I just kind of lost interest. And it it took almost you know five six years to refine that and decide. Okay, no, maybe I should do it in radio instead. So yeah, and and uh, no, but uh, like like I said, I and I I, I enjoyed that time uh, at seven ten. It was a mm-hmm. good time, and uh, uh, I do one thing. I did. I reached out to. There was a job. I was living in the Tri Cities, and 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 at some point, I was still like, I want to do this. I mean. As as you'll both as we'll both tell you now, uh, with us selling out, better pay. Oh yeah, uh, you get holidays. Yep. 
I mean, I've worked. The only holiday I've never worked is Christmas. In, in doing radio. Ne- I, the only one I never worked with. I did that one year. I think that was the two, I think it was 2011 I did that. Yeah. Worked Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, because there was uh, NBA uh, NBA games on, on 710. So they needed someone to watch the board to, you know, make sure everything got in and out of ad breaks yeah. and, and didn't crash. So I was like, well, I already be here, so may as well. Didn't, I don't think I got paid holiday pay for it. Yeah, I don't think I don't remember. I don't getting, think they did that. Yeah, so it was think, like, yeah. here, work for your regular pay on a, on Christmas on Day. Christmas Day, yeah. No, I, I did that once on yeah. Thanksgiving, twenty ten. I just my girlfriend and I had just broken up, and <laughs> I was Thanksgiving a holiday. I'm in a dark studio with nobody around. It was like Texas, Texas A and M. Oh God. Yeah, like not an enjoyable game. And then I had to come back because it was like Christmas was like, or no, Thanksgiving. The uh, I came back the next morning because it was a Friday, mm-hmm. typical day shift, and the guy who uh, got the was working mornings uh, last minute was like, "Hey, I can't make it. Can you <laughs> do it?" Uh, um, sure, dude. So that was one of those leaving at ten and having to be back at five in the morning. Right. I did not know about the hotel Bonneville at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they had the. I mean, I didn't find that back room for a while, like. It used to be there was a like a break room sort of thing or lunch area or area like a almost like a cafeteria type setup where there were like tables and chairs and stuff there. I, there was this like bench that was part of the wall that when I first started staying there overnight, I would just sleep on that. That thing was painful and uncomfortable, and I, I hated think I it. remember. Yeah, I, I do remember you do it. Yes. Yeah, there were there were occasional nights where they had these two. They have these two little small couches. Uh, outside of the conference room, and if like if it was if it was set up for like a meeting or something, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna go in there because it's you know could be a Monday morning sort of thing. I would just push these two couches together face to face, and it'd be like be like a little circle sort of thing, and I'd just sleep in my own little <laughs> sleep in my own little little playpen sort of thing. And uh, I know Dory like Dory Monson would come in at like six in the morning to start prepping for his show, and I'd wake up and I'd see him already working and be like, oh, this guy see me sleeping on here like a, like some kind of a bum or something. Like it was, there were times it was, it got kind of weird. Uh, but it's radio. I don't think people cared. No. Oh because God, if you no. would have cared, they would have said something to management. Yeah. And like, hey, can, can this homeless looking kid, like, can he find some place to live? They get sleep? it. They get it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely a, uh, an interesting experience, a great experience. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Uh, like, like I said, I mean, it would have been nice to have, uh, I think the leadership now that both sides, of the house, you know. And when, when did you say you finally stopped? I, I think my last day there was January of twenty thirteen. Okay, because because one of the last things I did was the uh, the Seahawks Atlanta playoff game. Oh, please, uh, for the twenty twelve season. Oh, so yeah, yeah, I got to cut the highlights there. Oh. Of, the, of a forty yard bomb and with thirty seconds to go after after t- finally taking the lead, going down twenty eight nothing or twenty seven nothing. Yeah, they came all the way oh. back and. Scored and took the lead and then promptly gave it away. Uh, Matt Bryant making that field goal yeah. terrible, but uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, good times. Yeah, we got out right before, uh, right during the uh, Jason Rants uh, uh, rise to power. Was was he? Uh, I think that was right around. Yeah, that was his uh, his own little little Triple H reign of terror sort of thing. Yes, he he <laughs> yes yes the Triple H. Rain of Terror. Yeah. He took over. So for some reason, they made him like an assistant program director. Mm-hmm. But in that, he was in charge of all the board ops because we were both board ops. Yeah. And uh, he then, uh, what was the thing? He he sent, he, he called 
because I, I, I didn't like to give my cell phone out for whatever reason mm. to people who I didn't know. But whatever was on file was my, my parents' home phone number. Mm. And he called my parents' home phone number and he sent me an email. He like talked to my mom and it was like, the email too, I'll never forget this. It was like, hi Tim, I'm Jason Rance. Nice to digitally, digitally meet you. Yeah. <laughs> and it was... Well, and he'd been a producer for, like, Phil Hendry and, like, these national conservative yeah. or, you know, national shows. So, he... I mean, he came in with experience and knew what he was doing, but I don't know if he was socially awkward or what or... Yeah, I or, think he's... I think a little... And really, not much older than us. No. Like... That's what made it even more frustrating. Like... Here's this guy. I mean, he went. He, I mean, he went to and finished college. I dropped out, so I'm just like, okay, fine. You, you know, <laughs> you're far more qualified for this job. I will accept that, and uh, you know, nothing I can really do about that. But there were times that it could be kind of hard to talk, hard to talk to him because you didn't really know, you didn't know anything about him, and he yes. didn't. You know, he, he just came off as kind of just just hard to talk to really i mean you know you just have those people that that when you're trying to have a conversation it's like it always feels like you're looking for a way out of the conversation or they're always looking for a way out like can this interaction end so i can go do something else that i want to do not to get political no but (laughs) he now has a drive time Mm -hmm. morning drive time i believe Mm -hmm. conservative talk radio show yep on ktth uh which is you know, the uh, service talk station in Seattle. And uh, he goes on Fox News very regularly mm-hmm. and uh, even used to go on Tucker Carlson's uh, show. So mm. that is where that gentleman is. Now, yeah. granted, I, I don't know much about, uh, I don't know much about him. Really, I only digitally met him because within, <laughs> like, literally, like, within months of that, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Uh, but, uh Yeah. Um, one other funny thing that Owen that I had mentioned, uh, I was in the Tri-City. Oh yeah. I was, I was saying, I was uh, started telling this story and forgot this typical Tim Kelly fashion. I'll, I'll land this plane now. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, said to, uh, I, he had hired me. So I, there was a job, like a, some, some producer job. And I was like, you know, I'll see if I can do it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I sent him my resume and I was like, hey, yeah, is there any tips that you could give me on this? You know, because I thought the guy, he hired me and then literally got fired within a few months later. So I'm guessing he had no recollection of me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know who you are. No, I mean, it was pretty much that. He's like, I sent him this stuff. He's like, I don't want to vouch for you because I don't know if this stuff is true on your resume. Wow. And I was just like, huh. Because he wasn't there when I was covering, got to cover the Husky. He hired me to be oh, a yeah. board, just straight board op. Mm. And I, like, you know, finagled my way into, like, doing these other things, which right. is very fortunate. Because at the era of 710 that I was at, Kevin Calabro was still on the show. But nobody was on the station. Mm. Nobody liked, but really liked basketball. Yeah. I would talk basketball with Calabro. And then nobody, a lot of Wazoo Cougs around. Obviously, Brock Heward, UW. But he was working for ESPN at the time, so he wasn't going to go to UW practices and get audio or anything like right. that. So I kind of carved that little uh, niche for myself, mm. being able to go to... Uh, the worst went to the Beastquake playoff game, my dad and I did, and left early because I had to go to a UW basketball game. Ugh. Walking out of the stadium when the Beastquake happened. Oh, my, my dad and I, the... Only two people in the world that uh, left that game early. Like the only two people that will tell you, 
Yeah. Well, honestly, tell you, yeah, I was at that game. We really were, but we left before that play happened. Yeah. Is that is that worse though than the people that left the uh, the NFC Championship game, and, and we're trying to then get back in after you know sixteen nothing, rushed through three picks to that point or four if he had thrown his fourth and people uh, yeah. were starting to leave and then that comeback with ten minutes left. So I did not leave that game early. I yeah. stayed for that game. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a great question mm. because the 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 Hawks. The Beast Quake, we really hadn't seen anything like it, right? They were like mm-hmm. five years at that point removed from their only Super Bowl appearance at the time. The team had been trending downward for you know the previous five years. They and it was a seven and nine season. Seven and nine season. So everyone season. was like, oh, they didn't deserve to be there anyway. But still, I think it's worse, and I'll tell you why. One, it is maybe hyperbole, I'm a Seahawks fan, yeah. which is one of my favorite players ever. It's one of the best plays in NFL history. Yeah. It's, it, it could objectively be a top 10 playoff moment. Yes. Ever. It was a playoff moment. Yeah. and Against and, the defending champions. Defending champions. Double-digit home dogs. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, Saints are going to smash them. Which, I can't... Why didn't the Saints win the... That was when the NFC South, South. rotated... Whoever finished last won the division next year, right. and, or they and they had a different division winner. Mm. I guess the Falcons might have been good that year. Uh, that could have been one of the years. Panthers had the first pick the next year and took Newton. Oh, that's right. So it wasn't them. And the Bucks didn't go to the playoffs for. Then they, I pretty much didn't win a playoff game from '03 to this year. They only win playoffs the year they win the playoff games the year yeah. they won the Super Bowl. Right. So I guess the Bucks. I'm pretty sure the Falcons won that. Yeah. Won that year. Anyway. Yeah, I think they did. Because 2011, they drafted Julio, if I remember correctly. And they traded up. So, yeah. Mm. Falcons probably won. Yada, yada, yada. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Losing, getting in semantics. But. Ten years later, they're going to trade Julio. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Objectively, one of the greatest runs in playoff history. Mm-hmm. Or plays in playoff history. One of the greatest runs in NFL history. Yeah. Set a tone for the franchise mm-hmm. that two years later won a Super Bowl. Three years later, went back and lost the Super Bowl. And that's the thing. The NFC title game, as improbable as it was, mm. it wasn't just one moment. It was a series of plays. Plus, the Hawks had gone to the Super Bowl and won. Right. If the Seahawks would have won Super Bowl Forty Nine, I think that might have been a little more... Uh, would have been a little more... Um, egregious. Egregious, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say that was more painful, leaving that. Um, Missing a moment that changes the course of your franchise rather than, all right, we're struggling. Oh, hey, now they're coming back. Look, they're rallying. Now we want back in. That was the That's the best part of that story is people were trying to get back in and policies being what they are. You can't get back in. It's just, sorry. You can't get back in. And also that game, too, like, there were so many things that the Packers, like, McCarthy was so damn conservative with his game plan. Mm. Uh, you know, I forget who had the last... I forget who had the last pick for the. I forget who the safety was that had mm. the pick for uh, Green Bay, but Julius Peppers is telling him to slide after he got that fourth pick, mm. and he did. He probably could have housed it. Yeah, and that game would have been a. There was an improbable. Um, the onside kick. The onside kick, where it's like you can see, it and every time you watch it, there's Jordy Nelson just standing there, like ready. And then dude just flashes in Bo- front of Bostwick, him. Bostwick, I think. I mean, yeah. poor guy got, like, 
death threats and all that stuff. That doesn't take much for sports fans. Sports fans are the worst sometimes. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's bad enough that they're that they do it to college kids. I mean, pros you feel like can probably deal with it. They know it's part of the part of the gig that people are going to be pissed at them. But it's yeah, like yeah, you kind of legitimately cost your team a chance, but then your defense also failed. Absolutely. Also, Rodgers, this is what I love. You know, Rodgers, why I think Rodgers is a uh, smug uh, jerk. Uh, (laughs) He said, I don't think the better team won today. Which, okay. I remember Cordell Stewart saying that after the uh, 01 AFC Championship. (laughs) It's always... Yeah, the sore losers. The sore losers. Also, your team let the Hawks hang around. Yeah, Russ threw four picks. You know what else Russ did? Uh... Threw a touchdown pass to Jermaine Curse that's killed your defense that yeah. you could have stopped. Now, granted, that's the overtime rules. Yeah. Super annoying that they couldn't uh, stop them. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, didn't get a chance because your defense gives up a touchdown. Well, and how many field goals did they kick in, in the red zone? In the red zone? In the two-yard line they kicked a field goal. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was almost like a precursor to, to this year. It was. Going, oh, man, we can't believe they kicked a field goal. Absolutely. Go back a few years to that Seattle championship game where they kept kicking field goals. Because they couldn't punch it in. Now, granted, you're going up this year. I guess maybe a little more, little more baffling because the the 2020 Tampa Bay defense was not on the level of the the 2014 Legion of Boom defense. Yes, absolutely. You know, so yes, you have different. You have varying levels. You're on the road. You know, Richard Sherman was not walking through that door for no. for the Bucks this year. No, Chancellor. Um, Bobby Wagner, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, just all those guys, are, yeah. Earl, Earl Thomas, yeah. So it's you know, okay, fine. You're gonna get stuffed inside the five by a, a historically great defense, and you have to kick field. It is what it is, but you know, it's a series of events that that will cause you to go, man, why didn't we win this game? Oh, because you didn't capitalize on four turnovers. Yes, you have four turnovers, and you wind up with twelve points out of that. Absolutely, you're not doing something right. No. No. And it'll never fall on Rodgers' shoulders because he's he's Aaron Rodgers. But you know what he did? He did two things. He threw two picks in that game. Mm-hmm. One of them, he was thrown to a spot, and Byron Maxwell, before he got his huge contract, was right there. Mm-hmm. Picked it up. The other one, he thought he had a free play, <laughs> chucked it in the end zone, and Sherman intercepted him in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Love seeing that Rodgers' face. Well... We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little more. We'll hit on other sports. And I'll try not to sound as bitter about my radio career. <laughs> Look, it's been 10 years. We're over it. We're but over it. This is, a, this, is, this is a very healthy... This uh, is cathartic. Yeah, this is good. We need this. Okay, we're back. I think we're going to be less bitter. Kevin, are you going to be less bitter? I mean, I'm going to try. I can't make any promises. I did. Uh, I did look up some stuff while, while during the break. There, the uh, that twenty ten season was the, I think, the beginning of the Atlanta uh, current dynasty of getting their fans' hopes up and then <laughs> dashing them. That twenty ten season, they won their won the division and then got uh, they got blown out by Green Bay in, the, in the playoffs. Their first playoff. Oh game. yeah, because Green Bay won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. Yes. So they were they were the one seed, uh, setting the tone for a decade of. The same thing happening over and over to them. Get the one seed, look awesome in the regular season, find a way to blow it. And then even the most heartbreaking loss, which you were, and we'll, we'll talk about this. Yeah. Not the game per se, but the, <laughs> the, the fandom. Yeah. 28-3, to three, Super Bowl 40, no, 50, 51. 51. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, 
Also, that is the year, obviously, Rodgers won the Super Bowl. Mm. And then Rodgers setting up expectations. You know, you, you remember this, everybody. Rodgers, that was maybe his third or fourth year as a starter. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. He can do stuff that people can't do. I mean, right. he won a Super Bowl. You know what he's never been back to? Uh, no, not the NFC Championship game. He keeps losing those. Yeah, he does. He's very good at losing those. Yeah. Never been back to a Super Bowl. Huh. Uh, yeah. But but he's amazing. He's amazing. And he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Uh, but he's, uh, you know what? He's a good regular season quarterback. Yeah. He he, seem, he seems to, well, he doesn't have the weapons. Well, I mean, he had some pretty good offenses those years and, you know, yeah, couldn't, couldn't get it done. Devontae Adams is a pretty good wide receiver. Uh, Just he, because they're not drafting receivers in the first round uh, and they'd rather take his replacement. I will say it's hilarious. Did did you see did you see that stat after this year's draft where they drafted another defensive player in the first round? Uh, the last ten years of drafting, they've only drafted one offensive player in the first round, and it was his replacement. Oh, <laughs> it sounds about right. And then he takes that and goes fine. Then I'll win MVP and then kick a field goal in the NFC Championship. Yeah, wait, there were deja vu. Weren't we just talking about this? Yeah, it feels like uh, yeah. So so tones being set. Uh, there were there were some interesting trends here in the last ten years of football. <laughs> Man, so you, uh, I mentioned we'll get to let's go let's let's do, uh, delve into football. Yes, you are a uh, a soccer uh, aficionado. Uh, mm-hmm. How did, how did you get in into soccer? Because I assume you were like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played. Played growing up, oh, as, yeah. as every kid does. But right. you, you since I've known you, you, uh, you have a uh, your favorite team is in Germany. Yep. And uh, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll let you. So, how did you get into soccer uh, or football? You know, it, it's just watching it and watching it and watching it. I mean, we uh, in Kansas City, we had one of the we're we're very proud of this one of the founding teams uh, for MLS, the Kansas City Wiz. Uh, th- yeah, that was that was our reaction as a as a city collectively when they when they were founded was huh, well that's a name, uh, that lasted a year they became the Wizards, and then in uh, I think it was twenty eleven we went to uh, yeah twenty eleven we had the uh, the rebrand to Sporting Kansas City, which also strangely uh, European and and yes. kind of it just seemed snobby and uh, Euro just. Euro Euro weirdness, and, yes. and we've embraced it, and you know, kind of kind of rolled with it from there. But we were not a a real team, you know. Salt Lake City, not like yeah, not yeah. As... Salt Lake is is has their reals, and we don't need an FC at the end of our end or beginning of our names like Austin and Dallas and uh, the Sounders, and, baby, and the Sounders, and you know, all of these United teams. It's like, well, it works fine for England, and works fine for Europe to have all these teams that are united. Cool. Do we want to be that? Anyways, I digress. Um, yeah, I just... Can, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. You and I were talking, and, and, and I asked you, why do you think all these teams have uh, names? Uh, add the United or add that. And, and you, had had a, what, you had given me an interesting talking about uh, it is to not take the stigma away, but kind of almost de-Americanize. Yeah, it's you know it's it's your branding. Is that even a phrase? I don't even know. But yes. Yeah, it's it's you know it's your branding, and you know you wanna you wanna have that um, that way to I don't know kind of legitimize yourself with uh, um, with a European office uh, uh, with a European fan base where you know you wanna go okay you know we're 
we're cool. We are we are a united club. We're we're gonna have two uh, two sponsors on our sleeves like uh, like Europe does. Because in in the early days of MLS, it was you know you'd have them on the front and then you'd have them on the back of the jerseys, and then it it graduated to just on the front and you'd have the the league logo on one side and the and your country flag on another side. Then it's progressing to okay. Now we'll have the logo on both sleeves. Now we're going to one sleeve and one. The other sleeve is a, is another sponsor, and some clubs even do sponsors on both sleeves. It's we follow the trends of of Europe, and uh, it's it's a very strange thing to to happen. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many so many fan bases that are like, oh, it's it's fine. You know, you look at the Premier League, Sheffield United, Leeds United, Manchester United, all these United teams. No one no one complains there. In America, it feels like, or in North America, because you know Canada. <laughs> it feels like we have to every team has to have a nickname. Yes. You know, and that's why at the beginning of MLS there were these ridiculous team names, you know, the Wiz, we had the the Tampa Bay Mutiny, uh Miami Fusion. I don't know what they were fusing other than what was San Jose? You'd said it the other Oh, way. they were the Clash. The Clash originally, yeah. And then got moved to Houston, but then got a new team and now they're the Earthquakes again. It just it's yeah, it's in North America, we have to have a, a nickname for everybody. Yes. And I think that's been actually kind of the nice thing, even with between MLS and, uh, and the NFL with the Washington football team of America, D.C. <laughs> um, you know, it's like yeah, not every team has to have a, a cute nickname. You know, the Lakers, what lakes are in Los Angeles? But we can't change the name. It's iconic. Yeah. Utah Jazz. Name me a jazz musician from, from Salt Lake City. Again, it's a it's a name and a brand that you can't really get rid of. The the so you touched on something that makes me laugh. Uh, the jazz. Did you, you you saw the movie Basketball? Yes. And you know that they had that intro of the movie, which is talking about how pro sports is declining, and that's why basketball rises up. But they have mm-hmm. all the teams, and it's like you know the the Lakers moved to L.A. where they're Minneapolis Lakers moved to L.A. where they're on their lakes. The Jazz moved to Utah where there is no music, which mm-hmm. always always one of my favorite yeah. lines. But you're right. I mean, it is, which I'm, uh, I guess, ignorant American. I kind of like that there's just weird team names. Oh, yeah. From from the moves. Like, you know, uh, fortunately, my favorite teams all have uh, reasons. Their, their team names make sense. The, the Seahawks and the Mariners mm-hmm. make sense for the region. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. The the Oklahoma City Supersonics did not uh, did not test well no. in that market, so they had to they had to change it. Um, Horrendous name though, the Thunder. Yeah, like they they basically stole that from the Seattle Storm. They're like, hey, we're basically still giving a middle finger to Seattle by, by kind of tying something back to you that we can't have. Because weren't they trying to buy the Storm too when they when they uh, it's yeah like, it was like a package deal the, with the WNBA was separated somehow that era of. Uh, <laughs> That era of WNBA, a lot of teams, teams folded, like Portland's mm-hmm. team folded. Some teams where the deals would fall through and all that stuff. Like yeah. Detroit moved to Tulsa and became the... Oh, that's city, right. You know, so they, it, it was weird. I don't know what happened. Actually, Seattle, one of the few markets where the ownership group said, we don't want it. And the, it was bought by uh, Karen Bryant was the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Storm Sports and Entertainment. But yes, it, originally, if you own the NBA team, you had to own the... Mm. Uh, the WNBA, WNBA team. Team. yeah, 
but yeah, to, so but to to basically to get back to your question, uh, you know, the that was a very long version of a of a short answer. <laughs> well, I interjected though. No, you're good. It was just you know I just kept watching, and you know we in the Midwest we're a, a very passionate group. We we like to think, and uh, it didn't really reflect that in the. Uh, in the attendance for for the Wizards, even you know they won MLS Cup in two thousand fifth year of the league. Um, we're in the the Western Conference Final the first year I think, and uh, that was when LA and DC were were winning everything, and it was it was already kind of stale. So and that was kind of strategic, yes. I mean, they'll say no. Yeah, but... it, it's coincidental that your your biggest market is is always in the title game, and then from there. They had their own issues with MLS. You can only have three "quote unquote" designated players. Somehow, LA, the Galaxy, wound up with some kind of a rotation of at least five yeah. during the during the David Beckham years, and so it was just kind of like, all right. So and, everything's and, and, kind of leaning that direction. And had Donovan the, mm-hmm. I mean, I the. I don't know if he was the best American player. I guess he was the best American goal scorer, right? Yeah, I mean it in. In a lot of people's, you know, top five, it's it's going to be some combination of Donovan, Clint Dempsey, uh, Tim Howard, um, Casey Keller as a, as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so people might try and throw Wondolowski in there, but no one's no one's ever going to forget Belgium in the the twenty fourteen World Cup where he had had that goal right it, ball right in front of the goal and skied it over it. It happens. He's a human, but. No matter what he ever does, he will always be <laughs> saddled with that because people don't forget anything. And if they do forget things, it's the positive. Uh, of course, They'll be like here, oh, you're you've done something well. You're the all-time leading goal scorer in MLS, but you missed that one kick against Belgium. <laughs> so, so f you forever. I I, guess. You you clearly <laughs> have not forgotten about this. No, I mean I, I I haven't forgotten, but I've also you know forgiven the guy. It happens. You know, you? guys, guys miss shots all the time. You just, you just spent a minute trashing the man, so you've forgiven him. Well, I, I've forgiven him for for ruining an entire generation of soccer because, uh, <laughs> you know, we we didn't hit, we didn't make the the twenty sixteen, no, twenty eighteen World Cup, and I think that was directly tied back to that. The well, squad. did the Belgian game happen before or after? Uh, who who was it when they played uh, Ronaldo? That uh, was uh, that was the week after, yeah, because that was after. yeah that was part of the the group stage when the they, group stage yeah should have won that game could, yeah could I guess could have I shouldn't say should yeah have. could have and I think they I think they tied in that game or something uh, no they lost that one and then tied against Germany and that's what sent them through and, and actually eliminated Portugal and that was a group no one expected the U S to to get out of because you had Germany and Portugal there it's like yeah. oh well there's two of the two of the top teams in the world that's right in the U S that we're hoping will. At least, just be you know make a make a good impact, and I think you know that's where the expectations came in for the league, for well for MLS and then for American soccer in general, is look we had this showing, we took top five club in, or top five country in the world in Belgium to the limit and should have had should have gone to penalties. Tim Howard stood on his head in that game, and you know there were the memes that came out that day of. What you know? It's like what viewers see on TV. Here's Belgian players coming down and four U.S. defenders. What Tim Howard sees just an open space, <laughs> and he's having to do it all. It was it was still one of those insane games. It's like the best and worst of things that that could happen in that game. You get Tim Howard being just a one man, one man wrecking crew, saving everything he could, and then people remembering Wando. 
So it's, you know, one of those. So, so what, two quick things. One, yeah. uh, you mentioned that meme. And it reminds me of the meme when, you know, Stanford football was really rolling about mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they would show their offensive formations. And it'd be like 10 offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> and a quarterback and a running back. Right. That, that, that runs with them. Yeah. Also, yeah, I mean, they win that game against Belgium. Or that he hits the goal against Belgium. Mm. It's very possible. Uh, I mean, I don't know how they would have. I, I would that have changed? They might have changed their projection in the. I mean, it, it would have sent him to penalties. It would have been a two-two game after after thirty minutes extra time, gone to penalties, and then no one ever knows what happens during yeah. something like that. And then you've got to your point missing in twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, though MLS, I mean, they're doing well. They feel like they're doing well. I mean, they're expanding. Yeah, rapidly and in uh, markets that I don't want to say untraditional markets, but mm-hmm. I mean, a pro soccer team in Minnesota, a pro—I mean, a pro team in Minnesota, a pro team in pro soccer team in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't. Maybe I'm being ignorant about those markets. I, I think I, I I miss a lot of that too because I I have the same thoughts about that. You know, Nashville, Austin, same you know. places like that. It's like. You know, I, I don't know the histories. Like, I know St. Louis is, is coming into the league next year, um, so that'll be a nice... Sa- Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento was supposed to, and then I think their arena deal, or not arena, their stadium deal fell through, so now nobody knows what's happening. Mm. But, yeah, you see these kind of non-traditional type of markets, and, you know, now we've got, every time there's a there's talk of expansion, you, people, you hear people going, well, why not Phoenix? Why not uh, Vegas? Because, you know, now everything has to be in Vegas. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, Charlotte's going to be coming into the league next year, I think, too. And it, it just, it feels like expansion for the sake of it. Yeah. You know, and, and at some point, people are, every time there's expansion talk, there's, well, what about promotion? What about relegation? What, a, you know, what about these other things that, that European leagues do? Because we want to be so much like them. Americans won't accept promotion relegation. They just won't. Because for for. For our fandom, or for our our fans in this country, I would I would think you could very easily see, you know, a team drop down to a second division, drop down to USL for a year, and the that's less less revenue because it's you know it's not under MLS. Yeah, it's less you know probably less attendance because people go well these guys are losers. Why do we want to go and and support sure, them? Yeah. And it just it's it's. I don't. I just don't think we're there yet, but I also don't think we need thirty teams. Well, and, and so, a couple of interesting points. One, Vegas and Phoenix would be horrendous because mm-hmm. the games are played in spring and summer and mm-hmm. fall, so you're only playing seven kickoff. But even then, it's what ninety degrees probably. Oh, yeah. You know, like th- that's what I. So you're gonna need. I don't know if you're gonna need domes. You're, but yeah, you're gonna you, need retract. You're gonna need cl- uh, roof stadiums. I know yeah. they. I know they both have uh, USL or second division teams yeah. in those in those areas, so I would imagine they have ways that they yeah you know, true they're being creative with with making sure their fans don't die, but yeah it's it's very I don't know I I think I think those kind of markets I don't think you need especially Vegas you don't need another another pro team right now you have the NFL you have um, you have the NHL. You have your your minor league your minor league teams, which are great for bringing fans in, casual fans, your tourists, etc. 
Now they're trying to get into baseball because they're trying to probably trying to get the A's if they don't come to Portland. Yeah, that, that, that that's true. I, I, Phoenix to me is strange because there is a heavy uh, Latin influence mm-hmm. in in uh, um, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So you would think that, I mean, uh, you know, Latino. Uh, it's um, the Latino influence. You would think soccer would be. Um, I mean, you even see it here with Sounders and, mm-hmm. and Timbers fans. So, yeah. and, you know, like the and uh, but um, so with with that, your point about relegation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I also think, I mean, we are upstarting a league in '95. We're starting mm-hmm. a league in '95, '96. The teams aren't woven in the fabric of communities, right? Teams, I mean, you watch, uh, you watch, really take teams in Europe. I mean, how many, not even Europe, England, how many, mm-hmm. like every, uh, I mean, you live in Yakima, like right. in, in England, like Yakima would have a team with thousands of supporters mm-hmm. and a pub that uh, was the main place. In, yeah, like 50, 60 years of history already. Exa- exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even like, even like you know, maybe Chehalis or Centralia might not have, each have a team, but there'd be, uh, you know, Lewis County Township, you right, know, yeah. or I guess that would be, not make sense, but maybe a have county two, township. Have two Seattle teams. Two Seattle you know, teams, or three yeah, or, yeah. you know, North Seattle, uh, Everett would have some, but still be so tied yeah. back to North Seattle. and Well, Federal Way, Tacoma, right. Puyallup, yeah, like that, that's, that's kind of what it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, because London, I mean, God, London's got, what, three or four teams just on their own, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, um... I, yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting more, and people are going to look this up and go, hey, dummy, what about all yeah. these other teams in this area? Hey, I don't have a way to look it up right now, all right? Leave me alone. I'm not even going to try and <laughs> try and try and enter this. This, this is where my – sorry, no, it's so very interesting. So I guess my last question for you about about soccer. I'm going to need you to use your crystal ball, and yeah. it might be a tough, mm-hmm. uh, tough uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you think the future... I mean, this is a conversation everybody's had for... I mean, since the beginning of talk, talk radio. Yeah. What do you think the future of soccer in the U.S. is on a national team level, but also on a national level? So by that, I mean, we missed the World Cup last year, we, because mm-hmm. I'm an American. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, we, we missed the World Cup. We've missed the, what, last two or three Olympics? Yes. Because we just missed out on that this year. Um, I think for... I think for growing the game nationally, we I would love to see more players be able to stay domestic to to build their skills. Get why you know Christian Pulisic, uh, Serginho Dest, uh, Zach Steffen, all these guys. They're all going to the European leagues. They're going to the Premier League. They're going Bundesliga. They're going to Italy and Weston McKinney with Juventus and playing with Ronaldo and you know getting getting those those minutes. Um, you, got, you got two guys with uh, with Werder Bremen in, in Germany, and I think actually Bremen just, just got relegated, so whatever. But it's the the American sports fan. I think we we have our attention so easily divided. Yeah, you know, you've got five professional sports leagues. You, in some cities, you have all five of those leagues. Yeah, you know, and. Places like L.A., New York, Chicago, you have multiple teams for yeah. each of those leagues. Yeah. So it's – MLS, I think, needs to find a way to 
really kind of, and I think a, 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 the best way to do that is better showings on an international stage. You mm -hmm. know, you saw it in 2002 when they, when the national team went to, I think the, uh, the final eight of the world cup beat Mexico and, and did that on the international stage. And that's when MLS really started to, to expand was because then it's like, Hey, here's something to capitalize go. And, and that's when you see more teams come in. That's where you see the expansion. And now, you know, granted, everything's digital, social media, ESPN+, Plus, Fox Sports Go, all these streaming networks. You can watch anywhere, so it's no longer a matter of, oh, I can't watch my team, so I guess I just won't watch it at all. You know, I, I live in Yakima. I can watch Sporting Kansas City while I'm sitting at home on an iPad, on my PlayStation, whatever, mm -hmm. because I can stream those games. Yeah. So it, it keeps everybody closer together. And I think if we see more success from the national teams qualifying for tournaments, having success in tournaments that they qualify for, um, hell, even the, the domestic tournaments, the, the Copa America, I think, is coming up. The Gold Cup this year, I think that starts like next week for the national team. You know, you have good showings against teams that you should be beating mm -hmm. and qualify for tournaments win tournaments get out of the group stage don't don't be looked at as well the u.s can squeak by if be the, one of those dominant teams that the u.s will advance here's why it wouldn't happen if some catas some catastrophic thing happens but grow the game to where people a want to play and have their kids play again and and be able to succeed there and then build on that success be successful build on it and i think I would love to say in 10 years, I mean, what, the the World Cup's coming here in 26, I think? 18, 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2026. If by that 20, 20, 2026 World Cup, you see the guys in the, the U18 squads, the U21s, the, the guys that are in the national team right now, that should be the time to strike and and really make a showing on the on the national stage. And if I, I, I honestly have concern that if we're if we aren't successful as a nation with soccer by then MLS could start to crumble because you wow. have, because by then you have 30 teams, you have 30, you know, 30 years of, of a league without anything really to show for it on a national stage. And, and kind of touching on that MLS mm -hmm. also needs to kind of accept who they are by that. I mean, you're not going to financially probably ever compete with, a, uh, I mean, the top, the the yeah. the, the the Manchester's, the Arsenal's, the Chelsea's, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't have a great product, right? Either, yeah. you know. I mean, probably, I mean, the ceiling, the absolute ceiling, fourth tier league, third tier league, maybe. For I mean, if they can, if they can surpass Liga MX in Mexico, yeah, then I think that that's a huge step. You have MLS clubs that are making making the quarterfinals, making the semifinals. Uh, LAFC making the final of the the Concacaf Champions League this year, or I guess last season technically, but it was within these last like six months or something. Um, where we the, where the American teams, MLS teams, just can't they can't win finals over the Mexican teams. It's it's the weirdest thing. Like they can win games during the 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 tournament itself, but they can't win the final. If you have an MLS team that wins the CONCACAF Champions League, then I think that's a huge, a huge boost to credibility. 
our best, I think our best showing before LAFC as a league was, I think it was Montreal, and that team I think won three games, three league games, three or four league games all year, but made it to a final of the of the uh. Champions League and legitimately had a chance to win that game. It was it was just the wildest thing, but yeah, I think I think the league and and the players have to there has to be uh, con- consistent winning before before the rest of the fans really accept everything. I mean, you get your 40,000 fans in Seattle. You get a uh, packed house in Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get 21,000 in Kansas City last night. We finally opened up the stadium again. It was just a, an incredible scene. And that's and that's and the 21,000 that is a sellout. That is a sellout yeah, for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, it's not, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing is everyone's going to go, "Oh, attendance, attendance." Teams are building soccer stadiums that house 20,000 people, yeah. 21,000. And that's a sellout. But then they're going to tout Seattle's getting 40,000 in an NFL yes. slash MLS stadium. Because I know, like, I'm, I'm one of those people. I understand the history. I've got a friend that, you know, we, we know a guy. His, uh, we, know, we know a Mark yeah. that, that knows the history of the, of the team. And when the Se- there was a chance the Seahawks were going to be moved 20 years ago. Yeah, 2025. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of, the, part of the deal to keep them, Winquest Field, Seahawks Stadium... CenturyLink, Lumen, uh, Marshawn Stadium was built. Yes. Russell Wilson Stadium. Um, part of it was that it had to have the dimensions to house the the A League uh, A League soccer team for the Sounders because that was yeah. that was the league before MLS. So there's that. Atlanta, same thing. You build their their big NFL stadium. They can get seventy thousand people in there because it's designed football and soccer. Yeah. I went to, uh, there was a girl in our high school, like her senior year, she's a big soccer player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think she's still a huge soccer fan. I haven't talked to her in years. But uh, we went to a Sounders, uh, me, her, and a couple other people went to a Sounders uh, um, game when they were USL or what, I think mm-hmm. it was USL. You know, and it was kind of wild because they're playing in this recently, contra- well, the stadium had only been built a year before, mm-hmm. and here they are, and it was lower bowl only. Right. Because, I mean, and not even like lower bowl, like the first few rows of the lower mm-hmm. bowl. Because, I mean, here they are. I mean, they're, uh, you know, a second tier U.S. soccer league playing right. in a 67,000 seat stadium. Yep. But, to your point, Sounders opened up and, I mean, they are consistently getting 40,000 people mm-hmm. and, and have opened it up, have opened the whole stadium up and yeah. sold out the stadium as yeah, well. Yeah, they've had 60, like 65, 66,000 person attendances for for seattle portland games yeah. you know and that arguably best rivalry in in american and american soccer uh and you know for every but for every success story like that where they can get forty thousand, atlanta gets 70 uh you know all these places built i'm always going to try and tie it back to my own team because i'm i'm a homer and i'm kind of ridiculous yeah. like that we started out in arrowhead stadium another 70 80 thousand yeah. seat stadium Attendance was terrible. We moved into a minor league baseball stadium while while our, our new our new place was being built. And the the lines were awful. It was the tiniest it was like I think it was legitimately the smallest legal size field that you could get in this little minor league ballpark. It was a minor minor league baseball park. It was ridiculous. And then you see stuff like, you know, New England Revolution, they're playing in Gillette Stadium. They get their their attendance sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, again, coming off the World Cup in 2014, we were all excited. 
Jermaine Jones, one of the big stars from, from the U.S. team, then his first game with the Revolution, there was a picture that circulated. There was maybe like one center pocket of people in the entire in this entire 68,000-seat stadium. Yeah. It is, it, it just, everything is so cyclical, and I know that, you know, money right now is tight for a lot of people. Yeah, and so absolutely. Attendance is, may suffer this year, but maybe next year it gets back. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it'll it, it, it'll yeah it, it'll be interesting and and we'll uh, you know if uh, as we move forward we'll have we'll have you on to talk more soccer. Yeah. Uh, finishing today though, you're a New England Patriots fan. I am. Yeah, you're talking about being from the Midwest. Yep. Quick, quick, quickly. How are you a How are you a, a Patriots fan? My my dad was a a big Bill Parcells guy uh, when I was when I was young. So he was uh, he was a Giants fan. Uh, when I was growing up, and Parcells came to uh, came to coach the Patriots, my dad followed him along, and me being a, a an impressionable young young person, uh, was, I think Parcells came in at the same time Drew Bledsoe was drafted, mm-hmm. and so I was like, all right, I'm I'm nine years old, I don't know anything about anything. I was you know had these NFL highlight tapes, I would see Andre Tippett in those, and was like, holy crap, this guy's awesome, mm-hmm. and just kind of gravitated toward him. And it, it it didn't make any sense. This was back when the when the Chiefs had Neil Smith and Derek Thomas and uh, the Nigerian just, nightmare. Yeah, Christian Okoye, those those dominating defenses. It was when they signed Joe Montana and and went to the AFC Championship game. And no one ever likes to talk about what happened there because they just kind of got got wrecked from there. Um, but you know the, there were these good teams. Marcus Allen, part of those oh, yeah. teams, right before Tony Gonzalez was drafted, and they really came back. Um, it, yeah, it was just, it was weird. It, it was one of those unexplainable things. And I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to root for this team now. And just, you and know. despise the team, the I, chiefs. I mean, I don't know if I really despise them. The it fans. Was, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's, it's weird. Like I would, I would get angry, irrationally angry at fans that would come and wear chiefs shirts or chiefs hats <laughs> to, to Royals games when I was working. Cause I'm like, you cannot have a, a more ridiculous contrast yeah Yeah. it's like here let me wear my all red to this team that wears blue it was worse when we would play the cardinals oh because you get people that i get it you want to come and you want to wear your chief's shirt or your chief's hat because it's the only thing you have or or the one that you just grabbed out of the closet today that's fine i get that be aware of who you're playing and you see us see and it was bad enough that we were already overrun by cardinals fans yes and then you get people coming in in their in their Chiefs red and making it even more of an eyesore. In a, you know you'd have little small patches of blue from fans that actually wanted to be there, and and you know from the home fans it was yeah. I, I guess there was kind of an irrational dislike of Chiefs fans for a while because of stuff like that. But you know, I, I will I will also say, as a Seattle Mariners fan, <laughs> admittedly, uh, I and and a. Seahawks fan, I hate seeing the Seahawks stuff at Mariners games. Yeah, for whatever reason, because it, it never goes the vice versa. Somebody might wear a Mariners cap to a yeah to a Seahawks game, which I get. Mm-hmm. You know, people aren't like knuckleheads like you and I and have a gazillion way caps. too many hats. Yeah, plus I I, I don't want to spend forty dollars every year on a new hat as I may have bought two during oh, the man. pandemic when, at least. <laughs> when when New Era took over the NFL contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, your boy over here 
has a bin full of hats yeah. of Seahawks hats because I was like, oh, it's New Era. I love New Era. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like this is a, this is a cool little design. I like how they, they did like a minimalist logo on this. I'll buy that one. Yeah. All right, neat. And, uh, yeah. But they've gotten, quick aside, the, the hats, New Era, uh, whatever designs they're trying for football hats right now are. They've gotten worse. It's, 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 yeah. It is struggling. Yeah, the draft hats have just gotten uglier and, and uglier and. So I'll just if I if I need a new hat I'll grab one that's just got the the basic logo on the front yep. and the the NFL shield on the back done. Yep. I don't need anything fancy anymore. I'm I'm almost forty. What kind of a fashion statement am I trying to make anymore? Uh, hey, you, you know, know? <laughs> I'm a man. Yeah. I'm forty. Right, my Gundy. Over yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting to that point. I can start yelling that for an entire year. <laughs> so, being a Patriots fan, yeah. uh, rough year last year. Yeah, uh, the greatest player in team history. Uh, and second greatest quarterback behind Russell Wilson uh, left <laughs> left the team, uh, but no, no, Scott Zolak's been in the oh, okay, for a while. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, oh boy, speaking of homers, holy smokes, <laughs> jeez, Zolak's the worst. Yeah, uh, but um, uh, rough year for the Patriots as we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed competitive to start. Mm-hmm. Newton looking decent. Yeah. COVID wrecks him. Yep. Wrecks the season. High draft pick. Not as bad as people thought they were going to be. Uh, yeah. No, I think a lot of people, when, when Brady left, it was it was like, oh, well, this is a, this is a five-win team at most. Because everyone just assumed it would be, it would be Jarrett Stidham's team. They yeah. Go, okay, well, this is essentially a glorified rookie. Yeah, he's, he's been in the league a year, but he didn't play. He, you know, threw like five passes and got picked off on at least two of them or something. And so it's like, all right, well, this is a four or five-win team. Until they figure it out, then you sign Cam, and people go, "Well, okay, well, that's fun." Yeah. Week one, have this whole new offense. They're a running team now. Cam's got two scores, has two rushing touchdowns. We go, okay, cool. Week two, come to Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson throws five touchdowns on us, and we still, you know, and they, and Cam still has a chance from the two yard line at the end of the game. To, to run the play that everyone saw coming. Yeah. And somehow, once again, it's like, and I think they always mention it on TV, these games, New England-Seattle games, they come down to the last play. They Absolutely. come down to plays inside the five-yard line every time now. And so that's, you know, fine. It, it, you lose on the road to a good team. It, that's nothing to be sad about. Like, yeah. I saw people happier that 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 the Patriots you know, lost by five points in Seattle with a brand new quarterback with an offense that had pretty much nobody outside of Julian yeah. Edelman and going, no, this team's going to be good. Look what we just did against, uh, against this defense. Okay, cool. Next week, blow out the Raiders. Fine. Then COVID you go to, yeah. go to Kansas city. You're, I mean, they were competitive in that game. Yeah. Brian Hoyer is a train wreck and should never start again. <laughs> two, like two, I think two turnovers in the red zone. Cost at least six points. It was and lost by what we, I think lost by thirteen. Could have had a chance there. Stidham throws a, a pick six that, granted, went off Edelman's hands. Fine, and then it just kind of snowballed the rest of the way because you lose at home to Drew Locke, yeah, who yeah. I think was also coming off an injury, and, and yeah, like you said, it just it never. It never evened out again. Yeah, it just it was it was just this weird season. Low point of the year. Uh, low point was probably losing to Denver. Denver, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you almost lost to the Jets, but didn't lose to Almost lost to the Jets. Yeah. Needed needed a 55-yard field goal. On This was Monday. It was Monday, a Monday Night Football, yeah. yeah. Uh, had a 
what, four, four or five game losing streak. Jets hadn't won a game yet. If Joe Flacco doesn't throw an absolutely absurd interception with like five minutes left, he just heaves it up to nowhere <laughs> to get picked off. If he doesn't do that, we probably lose at the Jets. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> this, this season's officially a lost cause. So they win seven games. It, it, it is what it is. And um, yeah, just a, just an odd year. And I think Without COVID, they they beat Denver. Yeah, and you know it could be an eight and eight team that nobody saw coming. They had a chance to win in Buffalo. Cam fumbles with the driving down for the winning field goal. It it evened out with you know beating beating Baltimore in a monsoon. Yeah, beating Arizona at home. Yeah, that was it. Was yeah. As a Seahawks fan, I enjoyed that. Ed, you're welcome. We we tried. Uh, so. Kind well, of going on. Well, it was either. No, I'm sorry. I don't no, 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 no. Low point was either that Denver loss or uh, or San Francisco coming in, and I think they won like thirty something to six. Oh yes, or yes. Did not enjoy that as a Seahawks fan. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, we you know we giveth and we taketh away. <laughs> um. So going on all this, mm. we 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 have the Patriots. So now you got the Bills Mafia. You got the uh, <laughs> you got the uh, Dolphins. Um. We see with the Bills. Bills went to the AFC title game, mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, either the Bills or the Packers, both teams that lost championship games. One of them won't go to the playoffs this year. That's usually what happens. The loser yeah. of the AFC title, loser of the Super Bowl. Yeah, it happens. I think the Chiefs mm-hmm. are going to be okay though. Right. Uh, they kind of had the year from hell and still, uh, injury wise. Yeah. So at, at the well, not the year from hell. At the end of the year, got right. banged up and. Yeah, that didn't. They're like their entire offensive line was hurt for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you, you you rarely see that. You know, what a coincidence! Like the last, like, is it weird? I'm I'm just thinking about this right now. I don't think I ever heard it. You know, mentioned on TV. Uh, Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl in tw- in 2003 or 2002 when uh, uh, remember Barrett Robinson well, yeah, went, went nuts went for AWOL. the Raiders. Yeah, wound up in what Tijuana for Tijuana, the night and yeah. didn't, didn't come back because the game was in San Diego. So yeah, not, so it was not, not a, a long trip. Not a long trip. Yes, but but still winds up just disappearing the night before the game. So their offensive line's all thrown out. And granted, they probably win that game even with Barrett Robinson. Absolutely, there yeah. they had they had. But you're right, there. distractions. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Then they the, their second Super Bowl trip. Kansas City's entire offensive line is just like five turnstiles and Mahomes <laughs> Mahomes running for his life and still almost completing passes while he's parallel to the ground. He's actually <laughs> possibly standing on his head doing uh uh doing some kind of breakdance routine yeah. while throwing passes. He's doing the sprinkler and tossing it at the same time. But yeah, just a weird coincidence. Tampa Bay wins Super Bowls when uh when the opposing offensive line is <laughs> just wrecked. Yeah. That's yeah no I hadn't thought about that. So um, so if the Bucks ever make it back to another Super Bowl, hopefully their opponent uh plays with their entire offensive line. <laughs> Might not happen. No. Uh, but, yeah, you got the Bills. Mm-hmm. Bills and are, are flying high. I mean, Josh Allen had a great year. They haven't had to pay, start paying him yet. Yeah. So it se- seems like, I mean, if I were to take a guess, the Bills are on the short list of Super Bowl contenders oh, yeah. in the AFC. Yeah. You got the Dolphins, who are... Uh, you know the Dolphins. They have a lot of talent. They still have talent. I mean, they they were there. It seems like they have multiple first round draft picks every draft from the next. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year they did another trade with the Niners for the next few years. So yeah. they have the capital to move up if Tua Tagovailoa is not the quarterback that they think he is. Mm-hmm. So 
And the Jets are rebuilding. The Jets are going to Jets. So, jet, yeah, Jets are, and, and then there's the Jets because so, everybody has to. Everybody has to have one. <laughs> but the Patriots right now are probably going to be slotted third in the division. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, don't really know. Quarterback's still a question mark, even with a rookie Mac Jones first rounder, mm-hmm. uh, and and figuring out if Newton is if Newton is washed or if COVID helped. You know. A post-COVID season. Yeah. How do you think the team will do? They obviously have Belichick, master game planner. Um, but what, how, what do you see for them this year? Granted, it is May 30th. Yeah. Yeah, right right around June 1st. I mean, this could be a completely d- different conversation in three days. Because, you know, Tuesday, the, the June 1st cuts are going to start hitting. That's true. And Very and true. That the rumor flying that Julio Jones wants is is going out of Atlanta. Uh, he supposedly said he wants to play with Cam Newton. Um, if if I think if New England can get Julio Jones, get him there with a full training camp, uh, a full training camp for Cam, full preseason, let everybody kind of get the get everything worked out in their game. the The defensive pieces I think are in place. Uh, you know. Gilmore's in the last year of his deal. Who knows if he's going to make it through the year? Yeah. Or if he signs a new deal. I, I just don't know. Um, got guys coming back from COVID that that opted out. Um, yeah, the, the quarterback situation, if I'm reading things saying, you know, Mac Jones looks great in, in practices and, you know, was, was doing all the, the pre-snap reads and was noticing things that Cam didn't notice and, Maybe Cam didn't look the best throwing the ball in OTAs, but it's also OTAs. So how can you really, how can you really judge what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah like absolutely. That? I mean, Russell's not showing up at OTAs. Yeah, so people. so that that means by that logic, the Seahawks are terrible yep. and will win zero games. Yep. Uh, because Russell Wilson, just a new offensive off. coordinator. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's a very it's a it's just a fluid thing where rebuild the rebuild the worst wide receiving core in football. Uh Julian Edelman retired. So it's it is basically starting all over again there. So you have five new receivers, six new receivers, uh a new quarterback coming in, a, or a rookie quarterback, a guy trying to rebuild himself for one last run and maybe Julio Jones. I think this yeah. is a, you know, 10 and 7 team cuz now it's Oh yeah, so I'm like what do you yeah. 17 Yeah, no, it's 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 17 game season. Um I think Brady wins week four in, in New England. I think he comes back and wins that game just because I, I don't think New England's going to be good enough at that time to stop all of those weapons. Oh, Belichick knows all of his weaknesses. He's also known weaknesses for other former players and former coaches and still gotten blown out. Uh, the, the the Bills game in, what, 2003, 2004 with uh, oh, yeah. Lawyer Malloy, you know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, and, and also, you know, you, you get, I read about a lot about the Patriots. You know, there there is some belief too that from people that think maybe, you know, you don't want to throw Mac Jones into the into the fire that early, mm-hmm. and you know, when you have that game, maybe you know, let Cam at the very least start the first four games, right. regardless of how he's doing. So then that kind of ease the pressure, ease off. the pressure off yeah. of you know having Mac Jones make his. You know, one of his first starts in. Well, know. and and I mean, you think about it too. It's like this is 
This is a guy, that, a kid that played for Alabama. He's playing in front of huge crowds every week. And oh, yeah, absolutely. The SEC, I understand the SEC is a whole different animal from the NFL. But he's, this is a guy playing in, in the national championship game. He's playing, you know, playing in front of big crowds. I don't know if the moment would be too big for no. him. But just, you know, the expectations as the, as the only first-round quarterback that Belichick's ever drafted – People need to, or fans need to, kind of temper those expectations yes. for him and just see where it goes. Because I think, I think if Cam can, I think if who if if they trade for Julio, I think Cam will be a more confident quarterback. Yes, uh, he'll have he'll have a weapon that that he knows is a bona fide number one. Yes, we you know even twenty years worth of New England football they've had, or twenty years with Tom Brady they had one bona fide number one stud receiver for uh, you know and it was randy moss for three and a half years yes other than that he pieced together seasons nothing against julian edelman probably you know top three greatest receiver in team history troy brown same sort of thing gadget guy slot guy he made so much happen with slot guys and guys that were yeah motion guys and things well you know wes welker play guys like that that when he had Randy Moss, 50 touchdown season, you know, almost perfect season, all yeah. that. Obviously, Brady's not there anymore, so I don't know why I'm talking about, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brady's seasons. But just the the caliber of player, there for all of the for all the random free agent signings that, that worked out, you've got Donald Jones. You have Rache Caldwell, uh, guys that were Doug Gabriel, just terrible. On is, that team, Rache Caldwell. I'm I'm trying to do is it the the wide eyes of Rache yeah, Caldwell? The, yes, the the late Rache Caldwell. Late, yeah, that's know, true. He did, true. he did pass last yeah. year, but you know, just that one year. I just will always remember his drop in Indianapolis in that championship game. And uh, uh yes. Oh, that was the 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 one that Peyton went to his first yes. Super Bowl. The yeah. Uh, up twenty one to three at halftime, or twenty one six at halftime. So we we got it karmically. We got it back with uh, with that uh, that Atlanta Super Bowl. <laughs> Yikes! Um, so uh, with all that, and you know you were uh, it, it's a ten and seven season, which should be there is an extra playoff spot as there was, which mm-hmm. I think to me would be a playoff team. Yeah, I but, think, it, yeah, I think ten wins is a playoff team, and I think that's why they started doing that is to yeah. You know, have all these years where you know the uh, that was that the O eight season where San Diego made it at eight and eight and there's yeah. and there's New England eleven five going well uh, I, heck with us right yeah I do <laughs> I do remember yeah that was a New England eleven and five which is why people thought the you know if if you were a New England fan last year mm-hmm. the eleven and five two thousand eight two thousand eight two thousand seven no oh eight oh eight yeah, yeah. sorry two thousand seven was the 16-0 year. Mm. That, the 08 year was when you had Matt Castle winning, because technically he didn't, the first game was technically Brady starting. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't technically Brady started yeah. and got hurt. So Castle won 10 starts that year. Yeah. And so you, if you were looking back, oh, we got Belichick. Okay, let's see if we can do this as a system. But to mm-hmm. your point, the talent at receiver this recently i mean edelman his last great game was probably in seattle but uh yeah uh he was banged up all last year a seventh round pick mm. 
That was a quarterback. That was a quarterback. Was yeah. a, uh, and yeah, they even tried him out at DB for a little bit, didn't they? Weren't they thinking yeah. about? Yeah. Yep. He had to be uh, had to be a DB. I think it was twenty eleven. Like it was a Super Bowl <laughs> year. Strangely, they put him in that Troy Brown role where it's like we have everyone's hurt. You need to go out there and just what the hell, go for it. Well, um, anything else you want to add as as, as we wrap this up? Uh, Sports wise, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, man, this has been fun. Um, don't uh, don't sleep on MLS. Uh, start watching the games. They need you know, we we want more fo- We need people to support the league. We don't want leagues to fall and and crumble. And uh, you know, if something sucks, talk about it. At least you're talking about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and I think I, I think and and like I said, I'm not a huge soccer guy. I, I, I'm trying to, I think someday Mm -hmm. I, I, I will, I will be fully yes, but hopefully, (laughs) uh, but I'm also in literally, we are recording this in the, we are literally in the middle of the biggest soccer area. Yeah. And in the two, not biggest soccer, the two major, the most fanatical parts are, Portland, nine, but, yeah. 90 miles north and 90 miles south. We're yeah. in the in-between there. Yeah. And so I, I think I might be a little, not jaded, jaded is not the right word, but uh, my my uh, my experience might be a little off because I'm like, oh, soccer seems to be doing great. Right. I'm not in uh, the, uh, I mean, who, who's a market? I mean, I, I guess all the markets are doing pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, fans, are, fans are coming back, so everybody's excited, and, you know, you're seeing... Cincinnati opened a, a whole new stadium a couple weeks ago, and you know they were really atrocious to start, though, weren't they? They're still not very good. And Minnesota, uh, <laughs> I, I guess that's kind of a problem too, right? Seattle and Portland mm-hmm. and Vancouver, not as well as Seattle and Portland, all started off fairly well, mm-hmm. and then if I remember correctly, Minnesota, Atlanta won a what a cup their Atlanta, second year. Second year, Atlanta won a cup. Minnesota was bad their first first year, year and a half. Went to the Western Conference Final last year and then just completely fell apart in the last 10 minutes. And, you know, I, I will say, weirdest soccer environment I, I have ever been to, and I've only been to a handful of stadiums. If you ever go to a game in Vancouver, okay. it is freaking dead silent that the entire game. It is the weirdest. But they have a large fan base. They, I would assume so. I yeah. mean, BC Place, they, it's a, it's a yeah. big, nice big stadium. They do a similar thing. They, like, they have, if you've never been there, they have a giant roof. And then they have these like almost sails like that you put on, see on a sailboat that cover the top half of the stadium. Oh yeah. So they so it's all a lower bowl, but you've got fans that'll the it's usually sold out in that area or very well attended. It's just quiet. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, like you can kind of hear the supporters section doing their thing. I've gone as a as a, as an opposing fan, and there are times that we are we can be heard on TV. Because we are louder than the rest of the stadium. Wow. It's just the weirdest environment for soccer. Wow. Interesting. Well, yeah. we, we shall see what happens with uh, with soccer. And uh, we'll have you on again sometime, maybe closer to football, talk a little more Patriots. Sounds and, uh, you know, when we get to the the very American portion of soccer playoffs, maybe right. we talk a little MLS yeah. as well. well yeah. Well, thanks to Kevin Mendelson, our special guest, for joining me. We even said we were going to talk wrestling. We didn't even talk wrestling. So 
ignore the beginning, but if you've already made it this far, that doesn't make any sense. But yes, we will have Kevin on again sometime because you people seem to have liked him a lot. I don't even know. I'm trying to predict the future here. But great job by Kevin. Love the discussion. Uh, talked about stuff a little bit off the board. I mean, Bitter Betty, Bitter Betty Radio, as we called it, or Bitter Bruce Radio. This is not a shot at Bruce Garrett if you're listening. Sorry, Bruce. Uh, but yes, we'll be back again next week. This has been Courts and Fields. <laughs>